Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, as Parliament resumes, the new North American free trade deal is in the spotlight. It is our top priority, and it has been one that we have been extremely focused on over the past number of years as we secure our trading relationship with our most important partner. The Conservative leadership race is becoming clearer. I can't take a pass or look away when our country is at stake. While this government makes life harder for our citizens, I can't stand by and hope someone else will do the job that needs to be done. And the government responds to the first reported possible case of the coronavirus in Canada. The fact that there are some cases that are under a further examination is actually a good sign. It's a sign that our system is working and that uh, the public health and medical professionals across the country are working together and are following protocol. It's Monday, January the 27th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Hello, Peter. Hi, Mark. We are starting a new session of Parliament, and there is a lot to talk about. We'll get to the Conservative leadership race in a moment, some developments on that front, obviously. But with Parliament resuming today, how much focus do you think there will be on the coronavirus and the news conference that public health officials gave on the weekend? Yeah, well, they're back to work, Mark, after that break over Christmas. We'll recall they had a couple of weeks just before Christmas where they actually got uh, the session started now uh, of the new parliament. Now they're, they went away, now they're back. Uh, I mean, the, the government's got lots of priorities, but I think initially there will be some questions about uh, the coronavirus, the, the new outbreak in China, and, you know, how Canada's dealing with it. Um, you know, I, I think it was interesting to see uh, on the weekend, health officials, including the health minister, had a news conference that talked about uh, the case here and, and what's happening when people arrive in Canada uh, who may have been infected. And I think that raised some questions we saw at the news conference about whether or not the screening measures in this country are adequate. There's, uh, I mean, it, it highlights a couple of things about this conversation, but let's start there about the screening measures. And it, it really seems to be largely the honour system. There's a number of questions you're being asked to to answer but you're required to answer them truthfully which i suppose is the case for anybody uh, you know seeing a, an agent when they arrive in canada at an airport or at a, at a land crossing um but in in the case that was first identified a couple of days ago and talked about on the weekend uh, this gentleman arrived from china uh, was showing symptoms on the plane arrived at the uh, Toronto airport, didn't acknowledge that he was suffering from any of these symptoms, uh, according to the news conference, and then went ahead home, felt worse than the next day. Uh, we think he went home. I mean, that's all we have to go on. And then the next day called 911 and was taken to hospital and put in isolation. So I think there might be some questions about whether those screening measures are adequate, that uh, this this idea of an honour system where you arrive in in the context of, a, of an outbreak of a virus like this, whether that's good enough. And I think you'll hear some of those questions in Parliament. What else do you expect to be at the top of the agenda in the early days of this new session of Parliament? As you mentioned, there were a couple of weeks uh, of Parliament in December, but it feels like we're really getting into the full swing of this new minority government situation. Uh, the free trade agreement with the United States and Mexico, of course, is is on the agenda. What what about that, and what else do you think will be front and centre? Yeah, I agree with you that the... Uh you know, the first couple of weeks before Christmas were kind of a trial run where you really weren't going to see the 
I don't think um, the tone and the sort of level of cooperation or non-cooperation put to the task, which I think we'll now see in the weeks ahead. Uh, but yeah, the, the government's already said that it's uh, the Kuzma, the new trade agreement with the United States and Mexico is at the top of their list. They want it passed quickly. Uh, the uh, deputy prime minister went as far this weekend as sending a letter to the opposition parties saying, uh, please don't obstruct it. We need your help. It's important for Canada. Let's get it through quickly. So I think what we'll see, and that, that debate's probably, uh, there's some procedural steps to take ahead of that, but probably the debate starts on uh, Wednesday or Thursday where they'll get into this. And the question is, how long is the government uh, prepared to let that debate go on? They, they want this passed urgently. Uh, the Bloc Québécois and the NDP have some concerns about it and may well end up voting against it. Um, but the Conservatives say they want to see more. They want to learn more about the deal. They want to see more details. But at the end of the day, the Conservatives are going to vote for this this trade deal. There's no doubt about that. And so really the government, I think, can count on that. And this might give... Uh, all of these parties in Parliament uh, a chance to, uh, you know, um, uh, hold hold to their their own beliefs and and still not be a threat to the government. At the end of the day, the Conservatives will support it. The NDP and the Bloc may end up voting against it, but this legislation is going to pass. The question is, how long will it take? How, how much tolerance is there uh, in on the Liberal side, on the government side, and, and even on the Conservative side for seeing possible delay tactics uh, that might last longer than, than a couple of weeks? So I think this probably gets passed within a matter of weeks, uh, may, you know, maybe six weeks. But I think the government gets this legislation through pretty quickly. And what about the dynamics of the minority parliament? What clues were there in December, and, and how do you expect that to play out uh, in the days ahead? Well, I think the biggest thing that's changed since December, Mark, is the uh, the change in the, you know, in the dynamics within the Conservative Party. Sure. Uh, so I think that, you know, that's what to watch for. Uh, if we thought, you know, Andrew Scheer, you'll recall, and, and even to some extent is still saying, even though he's, he's now, I guess, effectively the interim party leader till a new leader's chosen, uh, you know, in, uh, in, uh, in June, so for now, he's still taking the position that, look, just because we have a leadership race, I hope the Liberals don't think that that gives them a free ride in Parliament. To a large, to a large extent, it does, though. Uh, let's be frank. I mean, there, uh, there's no way. Uh, I mean, just look, look at it. Uh, look at what's in front of us here. What's the reality that uh, the Conservatives would try to topple the Liberal government between now and the time they elect a leader in June? Uh, that, that seems unlikely. So we didn't see a whole of it. I mean, that's what we saw, you know, before Christmas. We saw this this bravado and these this insistence by Andrew Shearer that you know we are here to govern. We're a government in waiting, and if there's an opportunity, we're not afraid to bring the government down. We want to work with everybody, but we're not afraid to bring them down. So I think that's the biggest change now is the Conservatives are having a leadership race, and that probably. Um, you know, makes the Liberals safe for, for months to come, uh, months to come, unless something very dramatic changes in Parliament or, yeah. uh, you know, on, on the political landscape. But uh, Let's, n- let's know, not forget know. the coalition crisis of uh, 2008, though, right? Where uh, there was a, the Liberals were technically in a leadership race, but they, they almost brought the government down with the NDP and the bloc, right? Yeah, I mean, like I say, there's yeah. no, unless it can happen. kind of dramatic change I'm talking about, but short of that, uh, short of that, yeah. and some terrible.
terrible miscalculation by the by the Liberal government that would put themselves in uh, in peril. Or I suppose you know, as some people have suggested, they could engineer their own uh, defeat and take advantage of a Conservative uh, leadership race. I think that's a bit of a long shot, but you know, it is politics. There's lots to watch for. But so I, I mean, I, I think we'll watch over the next you know uh, the first the first few weeks of this Parliament to see exactly. Uh, whether and I think the, the Liberals are really driving this bus. They're the ones who said they really want to cooperate and find partners, and let's see how they do it. I think there's going to be lots of opportunities for them on particular pieces of legislation to find a dance partner on every one of them. All right, let's turn to the Conservative leadership race. Lots to talk about there. Obviously, Peter McKay officially launched his bid on the weekend. Aaron O'Toole is launching his this week. Uh, Marilyn Gladu has been in the news. Uh, she's been asked a lot of questions about where she stands on social conservative issues. There have been other uh, lower-profile candidates who have been weighing in on some of those issues as well. So first on that, uh, do you think the Conservatives need to sort out uh, their views on abortion and on gay rights, LGBTQ rights, uh, once and for all. Uh, and is that going to play out in this leadership race? Yeah, I think it's a challenge for conservative leaders. We saw it in the last leadership race. We're seeing it now uh, with uh, some of the candidates who are already saying they're, they're going to be in the race. We've seen the whole discussion blown wide open by uh, Richard DeCarry, uh who wants to be a candidate from Quebec, who's you know who's been a behind-the-scenes guy in the party, worked for Stephen Harper, uh, saying that you know uh, uh, you know uh, being gay is a, is a choice. Uh, he doesn't like same-sex marriage. He, he's he would he's willing to reopen the abortion debate. Um, you know, Marilyn Gladue has been asked questions about what she would do in it. I think it always comes back to this challenge for conservative leaders, and I and I you know I, I can't help feeling that until they get to a point where they can uh, you know you know tie this thing up with a certain approach, it's constantly going to be. Uh, chasing them around, no matter no matter who the leader is, and that's this idea that, you know, the party policy now uh, is is that you know uh, the conservatives no longer tie to marriage as a union between a man and a woman. They've left that, they've moved on from that. The party keeps saying it has moved on from the abortion debate, doesn't want to reopen that debate, but some candidates keep saying, but they'll let you know uh, backbench members uh, bring. Uh, brings motion or legislation forward, even though they don't think it'll ever pass. And I think that's going to be the problem. I think at some point, uh, the party and the candidates running for this party have to say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, dancing on the head of a pin here to satisfy all the different elements within the Conservative Party. And, and there's a sizable faction and a number of MPs who were elected from ridings where these are issues for some of their constituents. And you have leadership candidates saying, how do I, how do I win a leadership by making sure the door is open for them and the kinds of issues they want to raise. I think the issue becomes, okay, that might win you the leadership. How does it win you the country? And I think that's what we saw with, with, with Andrew Sheary won more of the popular vote, but the campaign stumbled and he stumbled badly when he uh, ran into problems of clarity, uh, telling Canadians exactly where he is as a leader on the issue of same-sex marriage and on the issue of abortion. And just quickly, Peter, as we wrap up, uh, at one point, there were lots of names being talked about for this race. Pierre Poilievre, Jean Charest, Rana Ambrose, among others. Uh, now it seems like it could end up being primarily Peter, uh, Peter McKay, Aaron O'Toole, and Marilyn Gladue. Do you see anyone else stepping in? 
Yeah, I mean, you, like you keep hearing, you know, uh, people keep kicking around Stephen Harper's name, sure. the chance he might make a comeback. Uh, you know, I, I think what's fascinating to me is, as I as I've watched the last couple of weeks unfold, is. Uh, who is not interested in this job? Let's be clear about where the Conservative Party is right now, notwithstanding uh, the problems in, in messaging and, and in the positions of the leader in the last election campaign. They won the popular vote, and many people feel they could and should have won the election. So you're not taking over a party that you're rebuilding from a massive defeat where Conservatives have been before. You're not picking over, taking over a party that needs a whole lot of work redrafting uh, you know, policies from top to bottom and trying to get back in the game. The party's in the game, uh, but they have to answer some of those very, very, uh, you know, uh, uh, difficult issues on, on what this party stands for, on some of those uh, those key issues of abortion and same-sex marriage. And they really have to, uh, you know, come down at a place where there's a, a climate plan that's a convincing climate plan, and they've got to determine whether carbon tax is okay or not okay. It wasn't okay in the last election, but there are some conservatives we know across the country who think you need a carbon tax as part of a plan. So I'll, I'll be interested to see exactly, uh, you know, how they deal with those big issues. And I think climate plan is going to be a, a defining one in this leadership race. Yeah. Who's prepared to, to say the plan we had last time? And, and some of them are saying it already. It wasn't the right plan and we didn't communicate it properly. We need something more ambitious. And, you know, I think that – so right now the race is uh, – as uh, I think it's as interesting to me, uh, the point you make, of who is not interested in putting it all on the line to lead this party uh, as much as who is. All right, Peter. It's going to be a very interesting week and a very interesting session of Parliament. Thanks so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure, Mark. Take care. That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. The fact that there are some cases that are under a further examination is actually a good sign. It's a sign that our system is working and that uh, the public health and medical professionals across the country are working together and are following protocol. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, Matt Gurney argues our system has failed, despite reassurances from health officials. Gurney writes... Any system that relies on self-reporting by people with a strong reason to lie, in this case to get back into Canada, isn't going to be 100% effective. That's not the government's fault, but spinning a narrative of a system that starts with screening at the airports leaves them looking ridiculous when they're simultaneously admitting that it failed. Having a plan isn't good enough. Having one with a chance of success isn't too much to ask. In the Toronto Sun, Christina Blizzard argues there were lessons for politicians during the SARS outbreak that they should remember as we fight the new coronavirus. Blizzard writes, As doctors and nurses labored long hours at home in 2003, Ontario Premier Ernie Eves went golfing in Arizona. Prime Minister Jean Chrétien went golfing in the Dominican Republic. Toronto's mayor gave confused interviews to the international media. Memo to politicians in 2020. As long as your medics are struggling to contain this outbreak, don't go on vacation. Leave the interviews and the explanations to the experts. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues banning assault rifles is fine, but handguns are the problem. The Star writes, The epidemic of gun violence makes it all the more disappointing that the Trudeau government is showing little sign of taking quick action on the plague of handguns. Canada's gun problem is not about the kind of rapid-fire weapons that are so often used in mass shootings in the United States. The shootings that have become all too common in Canadian cities are perpetrated, almost all of them, by people wielding handguns. 
Now, let's look at what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. Foreign Affairs Minister François-Philippe Champagne and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and other senior ministers will meet with Venezuela's virtual president-in-waiting, Juan Guaido. As CPAC's Martin Stringer reports, it's all part of a transition to democracy in that beleaguered country, a transition supported by Western countries, including Canada, which has all but stalled. Mark, François-Philippe Champagne will meet with Juan Guaido this morning, and Prime Minister Trudeau and other senior ministers will sit down with him this afternoon to pledge Canada's continued support for the transition to democracy in Venezuela. Last year, more than 50 countries calling themselves the Lima Group, of which Canada was one of the leading voices, declared their support for Juan Guaido as the new president of Venezuela. Guaido is the president of Venezuela's Congress, and most of the international community condemned the re-election of socialist president Nicolas Maduro as having been marked by electoral fraud. Also, Maduro has basically driven that country's economy into the ground. Well, since then, Maduro, who maintains the support of the country's army and Supreme Court, has blocked any attempt by Guaido of coming to power. So the Venezuelan interim president, as he's known, Guaido, is meeting with Canadian leaders to try to bolster his international support and rekindle his attempt to come to power. His meeting comes after stops in London, Paris, Madrid, and most recently, the Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. Thanks, Martin. Also coming up today as Parliament resumes, the Prime Minister will meet with the Incident Response Group and attend Question Period. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, January 27th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.